This is Tell Me What To Read, the podcast of booktopia.com.au. I'm Nick Wasiliev and today I'm sitting down for a special episode outside of our usual programming. We're currently in early March at the time of recording, but this podcast coincides with the announcement of the new program for the 2022 Brisbane Writers' Festival, which turns 60 this year. To discuss the upcoming iteration of one of Australia's most exciting writing festivals, I'm joined today by Sarah Runcie, the CEO of the Brisbane Writers' Festival since 2020. Her career, however, spans across the creative industries, government and not-for-profit sectors. Her professional experience includes policy and advocacy, communications and arts administration, and she's also been involved in the establishment of the Australian Books and Writers and the Parliamentary Book Club whilst also working for the Australian Publishers Association. On top of that, she's also established the Australian Inclusive Publishing Initiative in 2016. Sarah, welcome to Tell Me What to Read. Wow, I'm so excited. And with such an introduction, I feel very flattered. Who is this person? <laughs> well, look, your, your reputation and your, your incredible achievements precede you. And uh, it's incredibly awesome to have you here to discuss the Brisbane Writers' Festival. And I'm so sorry to hear that as we, as we go to air, of course, it's, uh, it, it's, a, it's a time where uh, floods are severely gripping the uh, Brisbane right now. And we hope everyone's doing safe up there. But unfortunately, floods have actually resulted in the, in the launch for this program being cancelled. So I'm very sorry to hear about that. Um, but it's hopefully we can uh, do this incredible festival justice uh, in this podcast because it's a pleasure for us to be involved working with the Brisbane Writers Festival again. And before we dive into the upcoming festival, I'd love to first of all ask about what this festival means for you. You've been involved in this industry for years. You've seen many facets of books and publishing. Why is the Brisbane Writers Festival so special for you? Well, it's probably been the highlight of my career to be gifted the opportunity to steer Brisbane Writers' Festival to its 60th celebration, which is this year. So it's actually the oldest continuous writers' festival in Australia. And um, I'm, I feel very proud to be able to be involved in um, steering the festival to this really important moment in its history. And um, so what it means for me is, well, many things. Firstly, I've had the opportunity in coming to Brisbane to discover a city in a way that I would never have had the opportunity to do otherwise. And to discover it through its literature and its extraordinary arts and um, uh, writing scene. And um, I feel really very proud of being able to have the responsibility of this festival and having it reflect what is really an incredible city, um, which is Brisbane. So it means a lot of things to me and, um, and I hope it will mean um, a lot to the people of Brisbane and that we do the city proud by presenting a program that is truly representative of a diverse and uh, creative city. Yeah, it is amazing. It is amazing that uh, you're celebrating 60 years this year. I think it's a fantastic achievement by the festival. Um, and I, I actually want to ask you because of, you know, in, in we were talking about it in you know, leading up to before we started recording. Um, but I also wanted to, you know, mention the values about of this festival around kind of growing audiences, love for literature and particularly telling that Queensland story um, and bringing those stories to life. 
Um, to get to 60 years is a fantastic achievement. Uh, what is it about the Brisbane and the Queensland audience that has, you know, ensured this, this incredible longevity for this festival? Well, I think part of it is really answered in kind of the origin story of the Brisbane Writers' Festival. Um, it was actually started in 1962 by local writers, and it was originally part of a festival called Warana, which was the precursor of what is now known as the Brisbane Festival. Hmm. And the Warana Writers' Week was started by writers and for writers. And I think actually how the festival has evolved over its 60 years is that it treads that line between being a festival for writers as well as being for readers. And some festivals are more for writers and some festivals are more for readers. But for Brisbane Writers Festival, I think we do both and do both well. So I think that balance has actually been critical to its longevity. Um, that we have such a strong literary scene here is extraordinary. The, um, when you have a state that can call um, uh, writers such as Melissa Lukashenko and Ellen Van Nieuwen and Alexis Wright, um, where they get to call Queensland their home, uh, we are in a really uh, quite extraordinary, um, uh, uh, we're in extraordinary company in terms mm. of literary talents, not least of which also to mention, of course, uh, David Malouf. Um, yeah. who is one of Australia's finest writers and indeed has written a lot of um, his, a uh, uh, lot of his work, um, uh, novels and poetry that really reference Queensland. So uh, there is that strong literary scene and that division that I think, well, not really a division, but that mix between being a writer and readers festival that I think Brisbane Writers Festival does particularly well. Yeah, I think so. It's it, the the response that we've had, we've seen from you know years gone by, has been incredible. And I love before we dive into the the kind of talking about that, the the actual examination of what's happening this year. It's it's interesting you talk about that that longevity because obviously the last couple of years you started in twenty twenty, and uh, the world has changed a little bit since that. The world, particularly you know the festival, and I should you know extend this to the arts industry in general, has really been has taken a lot of hits over the last few years with the onset of the COVID pandemic. Um, but we are optimistic that this year we can return to some sort of sense of normality with the festival. What has been some of the challenges uh, with over the last few years with connecting writers with, with the Brisbane reading public? Um, and how have you been able to adapt the festival for this year? Well, look, um, it's been a very challenging two years for everybody in the arts sector. I don't think that needs to really be said. I think everybody knows that it has been challenging actually everywhere, I think it's fair to say. Um, but it's been particularly difficult with the Brisbane, uh, with, with, you know, writers' festivals and live events and so on. Um, and it has... Uh, been a huge challenge for us financially. Obviously, we haven't had box office, for example. We haven't been able to connect with audiences in the way that we would want to. So really, a lot of what we're doing to a certain extent now is rebuilding our audience um, in Brisbane and, and elsewhere. But also, I would have to say, and without sort of being you know, too Pollyanna-ish, um, there has also been advantages. We did 
have the moment whereby we could ask ourselves, what does Brisbane Writers Festival mean to Brisbane? What can we do more of or better? Um, how can we deliver things differently um, for our audiences? And in a way, COVID did provide that opportunity to rethink. And um, and in a way, I don't know who first said this, but a crisis is a terrible thing to waste. And so we haven't wasted that, I hope. And we have, in many respects, through that rethinking, initiated new parts of the festival, new ways of engaging with our audiences. And actually in 2020, it was the first time that we had, in any serious way, produced an online program. Mm. Um, uh, which we did um, uh, in September of 2020 uh, and in November of 2020. Um, so that was really, uh, it's been a huge learning curve. It's been a huge challenge and it particularly so, as with all arts um, organisations, when you don't have a lot of resources and they're diminishing by the second, <laughs> <laughs> you know. Um, but having said that, there were, um, there was the opportunity for us to rethink um, the festival. And some of what you will see in our program is the result of that rethinking this year. Fantastic. And that's great. And <clears throat> I love your, your, the point you talk about how any crisis can actually breed an opportunity. It can be a crisis, crisis tunity. I believe that there's a, there's a phrase that well, you can crisis use for tunity. Okay. Cr I had not heard that, but that might be my favorite word of the week. Given that we've had <laughs> floods in Brisbane <laughs> and we had to cancel our launch, oh. but you know, that's okay. We're, you know, onwards and upwards. Yes, and this festival, uh, this festival iteration looks fantastic this year. Uh, for all of our listeners, we'll be including the the program in the description, which you can check out. Um, but Sarah, what's uh, delve? Let's delve into this year. What's what is it going to look like? Who are the authors that are going to be involved? What is new to the program? Well, look, you you um, are asking my favourite question. Um, <laughs> there are so many things that we're uh, doing in this year's uh, festival, but very apropos of having your your festival launch flooded out <laughs> to the river, um, and I should state State Library of Queensland, where we host most of the um, in-person events, is currently partially underwater. Um, so we, uh, uh, we're used to pivoting, um, usually for reasons of pandemic, but what the hell, why not do that for a flood as well? Um, uh, we're almost used to it. Um, but very apropos of a flood, um, we actually have a, a new part of our program, uh, which is Brisbane as a storied city. And there's actually two parts to it in a way. One part of it is that we uh, are hosting 10 events in 10 different places across Brisbane um, with the authors that have referenced to the place that they're in. And of course, very appropriately, we've got Margaret Cook um, uh, in Karulpa, um, uh, near the river in Yoronga. Um, and Margaret Cook's uh, book, uh, is a river with a city problem. So we're it's very <laughs> appropriately, we're hosting um, uh, a session on the history of flooding in Brisbane and its impacts. Um, also appropriately, we have a session within that same series called City and Masks, um, which was about actually the Spanish flu pandemic a century ago, 
and how Brisbane responded to that. Mm. Um, so we have a number of sort of history-based stories as part of that, but we also have some beautiful, uh, we also have some beautiful events like uh, Indigenous poet Ellen Van Nierven in the Boondal Wetlands, uh, which might be very wet at the moment. And the Boondal Wetlands is um, part of what inspired Heat and Light, that collection of poetry. Um, that launched Ellen's career in many respects um, and a much awarded uh, collection of poetry. So we have poetry, we have history, we have uh, children's books uh, represented in the Brisbane stories and we have Brisbane in the 80s and 90s um, uh, with a session at the Royal Exchange Hotel. Um, so wear your best 80s and 90s uh, gear um, uh, with Rebecca Sparrow, um, who uh, will be regaling us with stories of Brisbane from that time. Um, but it's part of what, how this links back to our own thinking about the festival is that we really wanted to reflect the, the stories and history of the city that we are in and in a way that is richer than a dry history of the city, but peppered with the, the personality of the city itself and the people within it. Um, and the second part of that is something that we're actually launching soon this month, which is um, a Brisbane Writers' Festival app. Um, whereby oh, we will be encouraging people uh, to submit to us the stories that have happened in particular places. And when we collate that material together um, on our geolocating app, um, it'll be something that essentially what we, our ambition is, is to map the city in story. So, um, and the delivery of that will be through our app. So we'll, we're launching these two fabulous things as part of the program that are new. And another new part of the program is what we call um, uh, our um, country or region of focus. And Brisbane really is a very diverse city demographically. And so it it's, has such a strong presence of uh, New Zealand and Pacifica diaspora. And, and, uh, but it's also a, a part of the population that really hasn't had a lot of their um, culture reflected in uh, the Brisbane Writers Festival programs of the past. So we thought this was a great opportunity to launch something that really brought together um, writers from uh, Aotearoa, New Zealand and uh, Pacifica. And I'm so excited to say we have over 30 authors from that region coming to Brisbane. Um, we have, uh, you know, uh, some amazing poets from Melanesia. We have some extraordinary novelists from New Zealand. Um, and there are so many highlights. I mean, it's almost like try, trying to choose your favourite child to say which are your highlights. But we're particularly lucky to have um, Christine Lunens uh, coming to the festival. Uh, and Christine um, uh, may be known as actually uh, the author of the book that formed the basis of Jojo Rabbit, um, which Taika Waititi um, uh, adapted for screen. Um, so Christine is part of the program. We have um, other amazing authors like Pip Adam. Um, we have JP Pamari, who actually is part of that diaspora um, and famous um, successful crime writer. 
Um, and uh, so many, many more um, will also be uh, online as well as part of our kind of new hybrid model. Um, so I think that'll be a really exciting uh, program. And then another element of the program that really came out of something that I discovered in coming to Brisbane, and that was how strong the art scene is here. And so it seemed appropriate to look at ways in which in our 60th year we could engage with other art media. And so we have a focus called um, The Art of the Book, and it includes everything from an exhibit on concrete poetry in the State Library of Queensland through to um, an exploration of uh, contemporary art practice in publishing with the launch of a particular project um, called Tender. So um, we have, uh, I like to think, something for everyone, not least of which is in our uh, program, a bluey picnic, because it wouldn't be Brisbane without bluey. Um, so we've got lots of, I think, fun events and a broad variety of, you know, literature represented. Wow. I could, I could honestly listen to you talking about the upcoming festival forever. Uh, but I love the, the particular thread that is kind of really starting to emerge in, in some of the offerings that you've provided, like the idea of, of turning, telling Brisbane's story through stories, that use, actually making use of the uh, incredible physical spaces and the places and the authors that have come out of that honestly sounds very refreshing and something considering that how much of a dynamic space Brisbane is, uh, is something that just sounds, uh, makes me want to go there and, and find it out for myself, which sounds incredible. In the event that someone cannot go there, you've mentioned that there is obviously a hybrid festival. If someone, so if, if you are so, someone like me who is stuck in a very rainy Sydney and cannot make it to Brisbane, um, what other options are available you know, to check it out online? Well, we're very fortunate to have some uh, uh, wonderful online programs. So, of course, we will have um, elements of our main festival and country of focus um, all online. Um, and some of those highlights in terms of country of focus will include um, uh, a wonderful poet, Tusiata Avia, and our own Maxine Beniba Clark in conversation. Um, they're two tremendous writers, and Tusiata has written uh, an extraordinary collection of poetry called The Savage Colonizer, which I think very much speaks to many of the themes that we have within our own First Nations um, uh, uh, writing at the moment. Um, uh, and Maxine Beniba Clark really is such an extraordinary and uh, versatile writer. Uh, and having those two writers in conversation is quite special. And it's actually something that I want to do more of and have sought to encourage within our own program, which is to have writers in conversation with writers, because I think that you can often get some really interesting insights into creative work when you have that um, conversation. Uh, other highlights include um, uh, two series that we're doing this year, one of which is the author editor series that we're doing in conjunction with the Institute of Professional Editors. And that's a great program in which we actually really examine the process between 
editors and writers. And it's not often really exposed in that way because um, writing, um, we're always, we always think of um, writers perhaps emerging from their garrets with perfectly formed manuscripts that publishers go off and print. Well, actually, that's not what happens. And the probably the key creative uh, collaboration in publishing is between a writer and their editor or editors. And so for us, it was really an interesting opportunity reaching into that element of the Brisbane Writers' Festival that is about um, uh, uh, produce something, producing programming that is for writers, but also accessible for anyone who has a genuine interest in the creative process behind the book cover, if you will. And the other um, series that we're very proud of is the uh, author illustrator series. And uh, we have started off that series with an interview um, uh, uh, with the wonderful Alison Lester. And, um, uh, and we have amongst the uh, delightful uh, interviewees that we will be um, uh, dropping an episode each month of, as with author editor series, um, we will be including in that series over the year, wonderful author illustrators, including Sean Tan, Matt Otley, um, Curly, uh, Curly Sanders, um, uh, are really a host of truly talented um, uh, Australian uh, author illustrators and one Kiwi in there, Gavin Bishop, who um, has been uh, uh, an author illustrator for well over 30 years uh, in New Zealand, has done some really beautiful work. And so I'm very proud to be able to present a lot of these writers that haven't been really on Australian readers' radar before, but do produce such beautiful work. Yeah, it's. I love that you that you're starting to talk about these two series because I did want to ask you about them a little bit more in in a bit more detail if I could. Because first of all, these are running these are running throughout the year. This is not just during the festival itself. Um, so all of our listeners can actually also go and check some of the episodes out now, but also the upcoming schedule. But putting my my writer author brain on for a moment, I know that uh, on a personal level, so many people think it's that writing is a a very single insular role it's just you it's your fate it's your name on the book it, it's it must be something that you personally slaved at it's a solo effort which from my own experiences with writing books uh, that couldn't be further from the truth once you get editors and illustrators involved um and i and you touched on this point a little bit earlier about trying to the, the festival is not just about uh, writers but it is also about readers but also about everyone else in between um and I love that with this particular series, you're highlighting the incredible work that editors and illustrators both do to make a book uh, look as beautiful and function as beautiful as it does. Um, do you think there are, what sort of misconceptions out of curiosity do you hope to break down with, a, with these author editor series and author illustrator series um, that readers may not have had, uh, may not have realized before? Well, I look, I thank you for that question. I think one of the things that um, I certainly became aware of when I worked with the uh, worked in the Australian uh, Publishers Association and, you know, uh, through my journeys in um, uh, helping to establish the uh, parliamentary book club and parliamentary friendship group. Um, one of the things that I 
uh, one of the misconceptions, common misconceptions about publishing and publishers was that they just take a writer's manuscript and go print it. Um, uh, firstly, publishers are not printers, um, and uh, that to, you know, I, I, I don't want to be precious about it, but it, they are rather different things. Um, the other, I think, element to it is that um, I think that there is something very intimidating by the idea that somehow a book perfectly comes out of a writer's brain um, as though uh, there is no process of iterations and feedback and questions. Actually, I think some of the most remarkable writing has come out of um, a true collaboration. And I think that um, editors, in a way, by necessity, are always um, uh, sort of in the background. And I sometimes refer to them as like the viola players of the publishing orchestra. They never get a solo, um, but they really should because what they do is critical to so many writers. And it's often that creative dialogue that brings a writer closer to what it is that they're trying to say. And um, in a way, editing is an extraordinary alchemy because you need to be inside the creative intentions of somebody else, even at times more than they themselves as a writer know. So that's actually an extraordinary kind of process and role to have. And then with illustrators, I think what's something, you know, something that I hope we can kind of platform through our you know, examination or exhibit on book design, for example, and so on, is that as a, as a book designer, you're taking content and you're giving it a visual translation. And I think that that's um, uh, an extraordinary skill. How many times have we picked up a book because it looks fabulous? Mm, yeah. and, and I think that the book, I mean, Nothing against ebooks whatsoever. <laughs> However, there is something about the physical object and how it's designed that makes a book special. So, being able to platform some of these extraordinary creative people um, who contribute to books we love is such a pleasure. Mm. Uh, it, I, I agree, and it's the it's, it's wonderful that, that you're using the festival as a platform to talk about the, these collaborative natures of, of, of the process of putting together books, because <clears throat> it is something that I think should be highlighted a lot more. Um, and for all of our listeners, I absolutely recommend that you go and check out this author editor series and author illustrator series two that really stuck out to me. I, I stuck a nose in and I've already made a note in my calendar to check them out is of course uh, the one and only Trent Dalton, who is in the list for later this year, talking with, with his editor, Scott Forbes and uh, publisher, Catherine Milne. Of course, if you, if you haven't heard of Trent Dalton, first of all, where have you been? Uh, he's the author of Boy Solar's Universe and All Our Shimmering Skies, but he also uh, was the his most recent publication, Love Stories, which was actually written on a Brisbane Street corner. Um, talks about it as well. Um, he was actually one of our, our major picks for Book of the Month late last year, and uh, we were lucky enough to actually chat to him about this incredible book. But also Gary Lonesborough as well with his debut book, uh, The Boy from the Mish, uh, which 
is the story of a, of a, of a young queer Aboriginal growing up in, in regional Australia, uh, which is a story that, you know, stories that we need to hear about a lot more often. Uh, he is also doing a discussion with his uh, editor at Allen and Unwin, uh, Elise Jones, which is, uh, you know, and it would, is an incredible story. That book has received rave reviews everywhere it has gone. Um, and it's one that, you know, on a personal level, I'm just going, oh, I need to check that out. Um, you've got some fantastic names in this series. Um, I actually also want to ask you about the actual physical festival itself uh, as a kind of a, a final point, because the you've also announced this year that patrons can also become a festival friend. Um, oh, can you, yes. Can indeed. you tell us a little bit more about that? Indeed. Well, look, um, uh, uh, we'd love to have more friends uh, just in general. Um, but the festival friend um, is uh, for a mere $75, you can become a festival friend. And what that means is that you get to have special invitations to special events um, and significant discounts on all tickets. Um, and uh, I, I think that it's actually, you know, um, the festival friend uh, for us is a special category of person because they come in to really support the festival. And, uh, and I think that that's, um, I can't think of a, a better friend to have than somebody who comes in and supports uh, the Brisbane Writers Festival. But we also hope that uh, people will be inspired to become a festival friend um, because we have a great festival lined up. Um, and uh, yes, so we're, we're encouraging uh, people to become festival friends and, um, uh, and it, I hope that uh, it will engage people more with the program and with what we're doing throughout the year as well. Indeed, and particularly with the multiple venues uh, and that patrons can go to, uh, it'll, it'll be a fantastic opportunity for people to actually go and see what, fest what events are happening in their local area, um, which we, is absolutely what we want. Um, Dar having you, you, having, you have mentioned that uh, you, you can't pick a favourite child uh, in terms of these events, but I dare to ask at the end, uh, as we near the end of this discussion, uh, in terms of the upcoming physical events happening at the festival, uh, are there any particular events that uh, you are most excited about? Well, I will admit there are. I mean, I have been very excited to have, of course, very wonderful authors like Christos Solkus, Michelle de Kretzer, Charlotte Wood, Helen Garner, um, uh, as part of the festival. I'm excited that we have so many great internationals, including one at least um, from the UK coming live and in person, Annabelle Abs, which I'm very excited about. Um, I think that we have a, an incredibly strong First Nations focused program, and I'm excited for some of the new things in there, like Couple with an Elder series. They're just some wonderful people that we get to have conversations with. Um, and so there's, there are strong elements across the program in terms of both, in terms of international speakers, including, I should really say, on our opening night, um, Abdul Razak Gurna, who last year won the Nobel um, uh, Literature Prize. So a Nobel laureate um, uh, to open um, to open uh, to open the festival is no small thing. He'll be streaming into um, the festival uh, venue, the State Library, uh, on our Tuesday night. But 
I think there are two events that I'm particularly looking forward to. One of which is what I like to think of as the literary smackdown event of the year, literary deathmatch. <laughs> um, and, and if you, you know, the concept of which is kind of loosely shark tank, but for writers. And we've got <laughs> some amazing judges. We've got our very own Benjamin Law, one of Brisbane's favourite sons, but also uh, a curator of this year's festival. Um, we have um, uh, the wonderful Reuben Kay as a judge um, and Hope One from uh, the Hot Brown Honeys. Uh, so that's going to be a very fun evening. And, um, and I think that, and it's the first time that we've actually run Literary Deathmatch and it is, <laughs> um, uh, uh, it is, um, I think, something that, uh, I'd like to see as part of the festival each year. But, um, and we're also hosting that in a special location in Brisbane, the Princess Theatre, which has recently reopened and is a beautiful, beautiful venue. But in addition to that, I'm very excited to be bringing across from Wellington um, the most fabulous spoken word poetry collective there is um, called Show Ponies. And show ponies, I mean, when I try and explain what they do, it's a bit like if Dylan Thomas and Beyonce had a love child in Vegas, you'd get somewhere in the glitzy, glamorous, um, uh, but uh, deeply poetic um, uh, vicinity of show ponies. And... Um, they, you know, they have innovated on spoken word poetry in a way that um, uh, only, only somebody from, I suspect, Wellington could, whereby, amongst other things, they kind of do a makeover for their spoken word poets and give them, amongst other things, backup dancers. So that is something that you really have to see. So I'm excited um, about uh, Literary Deathmatch and I'm very excited uh, for the four-night run that Show Ponies will be having at Metro Arts in West End in Brisbane. Oh, wow. Wow. Yes, please. Sign me up right away. Um, I could talk to you all day about this incredible festival, but I know that you are incredibly busy and you have people to see and places to go to get ready for the festival. Um, so I'll finally finish uh, by saying, first of all, that it runs from the 3rd to the 8th of May. And for all of our listeners who are interested, where can they get tickets and find out more information? Oh, please visit our website, um, bwf.org.au, uh, and you will see all the information that you need come uh, the 2nd uh, of March. Sarah Runsey, Director of the Brisbane Rise Festival, it has been a pleasure chatting with you today. It's been an absolute pleasure, and thank you. So as mentioned, for all of our uh, listeners, the Brisbane Riders Festival runs from the 3rd to the 8th of May, and you can check out the program schedule and book tickets for the upcoming festival in the description below of this podcast, or as Sarah mentioned, head to bwf.org.au. It's an incredible festival. You should definitely check it out. Stay tuned for our final episode of the week on Friday, where we sit down for a conversation with Erin Barnett, author of Endo Unfiltered, in conjunction with the launch of Endo Awareness Month. Thanks for listening and never stop reading. <laughs>